You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, before we get started today, I just wanted to uh, direct all of the Extra Grind faithful to a little podcast uh, a friend of ours does, Ace, called Form of Passion. Uh, his most recent episode is an interview with uh, one and only Tom Sheehan of Axe to Grind. I think it's a great episode. Both me and Pat uh, think it's not just a good way to get to know Tom a little more, even if you've heard him for several hundred hours here. But, um, you know, Ace kills it with the interview. So go over to Forum of Passion. Check out that interview with Tom. All right. Now listen to Axe to Grind. Peace. so nervous be not so frail someone watches you you will not fail be not so nervous be not so frail be not so nervous be not so frail Be not so sorry for what you uh, Sound and Fury on the main. Oh, sorry, Pat. <laughs> it's all right. Welcome to Axe the Grind, the hardcore podcast. Can I get an answer? <laughs> Tom did not get an answer. I actually don't know the what, what is there to talk about? We'll get to it. I'm Patrick. Yeah. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. Hey guys, and how you doing? I'm good. There's many questions I can't answer in this life, but hopefully, uh, Tom's I can. Let's uh, uh, let's let's do a little bit of that. Maybe a little bit of that. We'll do a little bit in the interest of time. Uh, in the interest of time, fast ad reads today. Thank you to Close Casket Activities. Oh. Thank you to <laughs> To Live a Lie. <laughs> and let's talk about Run for Cover Records. Nom nom nom. <laughs> and Death Wish. Nom Andy. nom nom. Good look, good look. All right, starting with Run for Cover Records, runforcoverrecords.com. Hey, Tom, you know what? We talked a lot about the band Fiddlehead, but we haven't talked a lot about Between the Richness, their last LP in a that while, and they're a busy band. Let's talk about it. I just listened to this today at work because on my desk, I have a brain that says, get my mind right, Fiddlehead, because I came with the 7-inch, the single. Um but yeah, I listened to Between the Richness today. It is a fantastic record. I thought that first LP would be hard to follow up, and somehow they were able to. Um, they have a bunch of stuff coming up. They're playing in Denver at the end of May at the High Dive. Um, Friday, May 27th. Yeah. Friday, May 27th at the High Dive in Denver, which I was just in Denver. It's a lovely, it's a ripping town, as they say. Mm. Um, shout out to Convulse and uh, Candy Apple and all those bands. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're playing a show in Detroit, in Detroit. Um, it's called Tied Down Fest. Mm. And then they're then they're playing they're playing Furnace Fest. They're playing a bunch of shows in Texas. They're playing in the UK. Three shows in the UK. Um, one of which is. Um, 
No, I thought they said Rebellion Fest. Maybe they are playing Rebellion. Maybe like they're going full oil and they're playing Rebellion Fest. That'd be um, so cool if they did just full oil. Imagine like Pat like comes out with like, like 2006 shaved head Pat. <laughs> I, I mean, like, look. Fucking, it's because he saw the chisel like everyone else in America and are now all fucking Anglophiles. I, I, I will, hello, anybody? One, I, two, hello. I will, say, I will say I will say that the uh, next Fiddlehead record is supposed to be full-on street punk. So uh, make sure you keep an eye out for uh, Fiddlehead, <laughs> Fiddlehead Dick's Day Out, uh, a, a Boston timey adventure. Um, it's, uh, it's coming out on Run for Cover in 2023. Uh, but for now... I'm excited about that turn. As Tom said, check out Fiddlehead Live and go get Between the Richness, even if you loved Springtime and Blind and thought, ah, how can they top that? Hmm? They did something really cool here, so check it out. I would just like to go on the record that I love the chisel, and I saw them, and they were fantastic. But I was just saying, mm. there was a big joke was that all American hardcore were going to be like, "I was up, you fucking cunts!" Like for like for like a month because the singer kept yelling the c word, and I I felt like being like, "It's not what it means here," you know, just because <laughs> there's like six hundred people, and you're yelling, like, you're calling them a bunch of c words. Best part was singer from the chisel at the show. Here's my mo- my pit report. Pretty hammered. That's Joe. He's a little drunk, yelling c words. Yeah. People singing along. It's all great. Paul Bearer from the back of the room goes, "Speak English." <laughs> then I was like, "This is why I love New York hardcore." <laughs> he's yelling. He's sitting in a throne at the back of the venue. Yeah, and uh, the, the, the monarch, yeah. and he's yelling, "Speak English." Yeah, I mean, he also helped get those dudes wrecked and drunk. So, like, he was part of the party. But just for him yelling, like, speak English was probably the highlight of the show. God, that's good. Uh, Runforcoverrecords.com. <laughs> wow, that was a good turn. Boston Oi Band Fiddle Head. Oi. Uh, death, Deathwishink.com. Uh, we're going to direct you to some really cool... Uh, we'll call them wall coverings. Um, high art, in my opinion. Jake Bannon uh, put out some limited prints that are available right now um, from the All We Love We Leave Behind era. Um, bunch of different prints. They are really cool. If you're familiar with the Giclee style, um, you can get them in a few different sizes. I am sure there are not many. Um, they are really, really cool. And I was thinking about today. This is the kind of stuff you could have on your wall and have it not be like, oh, you, you have you have band posters on your wall. Like if you're having like fancy people come over or whatever, right. you could have this and have it disguised right. as high art. But it's like, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't have band posters. Meanwhile, your office or garage is covered with right. them. Right. This is this is like fine art, right? Yeah, it could be like a, you pretend you know you have a potential love interest come back. If you just mm-hmm. have like, here's the time I saw a fucking you know whatever. Here's a youth of today flyer on the post. Mm-hmm, you'd be like, mm-hmm. it's a little weird, but this is like, it's hot. I mean, you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb. Jake Bannon is a fucking artist. That's right. You're just getting in early. He could be fucking Basquiat in fucking twenty years. You don't know that. I hope he's still alive <laughs> so, in twenty years. I hope he's still around. Like, I hope he's not famous because yeah, he died. Yeah, Basquiat, right? Yes, but so, I think he's he's a fucking artist. Yeah, and these are really cool, and uh, yeah, I think everybody who appreciates his art in even a small way should at least look at these. Some of these are absolutely beautiful. The colors are just vibrant and fun, and 
Yeah, there's some really stunning images. So go to deathwishing.com. Go ahead and click. I actually found it just in the new section. You can go there. I'm sure if you look under Jay Bannon, they'll be there too. So uh, shout out to our sponsors. We love you all. Guys, how you doing? How we feeling? Vibrant and fun is two words I've never heard describe Converge. Not Converge, but take a look at some of those images. Really no, I know. He's, a, he's colors, an right? incredible artist, man. Yeah, feeling it. Um, Patrick, are you, as Blink-182 would say, feeling it? I'm, I'm got feeling, no regrets th- right now. You know what I thought it. about? <clears throat> what song <clears throat> made, made Blink-182 a more serious act where people started taking them seriously? When they, they, oh. the, when they, when they found out about Alkaline Trio and they started wearing black. I miss no, you. Um, that song. It's the divorce song, the stick together for the kids song. Oh, really? I thought it was the, isn't there like a suicide song? Yeah, Adam song. My, yeah, it's Adam song. So that was in my head. Rarely conquered, rarely can't, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had, I had the orange juice in the hall thing as in my head. And I was like. Yeah, yeah, right. I was like, oh, that's interesting that like. I don't know any Blink-182 songs except for... I mean, I'm sure I recognize them, of course, but like, I, I, I couldn't ID them from lyrics. Lies. And Lies. Does, <laughs> I was never into that stuff. But, but here's my question. Does every band need a serious song even if they are not a serious band? No. Oh, interesting. We got it. Well, all right, go, please. No, there's plenty of bands who are not serious who don't have any serious songs. Does Good, Clean, Fun have one serious song? No, but would they be a better band if they did? Is my question. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, Murphy's Law has a serious like, song or two. Sure. Yep. They're a good band. I feel like um, you know, you know, Warren has like a power ballad, and he also has songs true. called Cherry Pie. So, here's like, what I'm like, like, would Crucial Youth be upgraded if they just had one very serious, like, earnest song in right? For, if, but it was, like, if it was, if it was your teeth. If it was as serious as possible for a fucking fourteen year old, yeah. I think uh, so. The that, answer is no. Not they don't need it. Will it make them better? Possibly, for sure. I'm just saying that that there's bands who exist without any serious songs. I just uh, I thought about this and I was thinking, oh, does does every artist sort of just in your catalog somewhere? Like, because I, I was thinking about comic book guys that I really admire but they never do the stuff that i'd like to see them do adam sandler's the, the reference here <clears throat> adam sure. Sandler's done a lot of comedy every once mm-hmm. in a while he drops in a drama he doesn't consider himself a dramatic actor i don't think he just does it because he can do it and some of them hit so should everybody try like that once are there people that don't have that range and they shouldn't try uh, I don't Ryan know. Reynolds. Um, let, let's flip it. Should every serious band have a complete <laughs> joke song? No. Like like self defense family. Honk honk. Burda, burda, burda. <laughs> I mean, no, they have a song got, with fucking whale sounds, so I don't know if a very serious song though. You got to stop. Here's the thing. Self defense family. The Toots McGee EP. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. This is just the thing I'm considering because I think that uh, some pe- some artists that I really admire are kind of uh, too locked into a campy mode. That's what I'm I mean, I think Drug Church has you? funny songs. I agree. Like, okay. I think Weep Pin is a funny people. song. Thank you. Like, it's like, it's, it's, it's clever, but it's also like kind of funny. 
Like is you it use too, is like it too funny. No, no, no. It's because no, it's but fun. It's and you use meme has parlance. Fun parts. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like you did a sloppy science. You used the meme like parlance parlance in your lyrics. Pretty funny. Yeah. No, you, yeah. you, you're you clever. Clever wordplay. Um, Every once in a while, I hear that song, and I think back. I go, Pat, did you say you did a sloppy science? And you go, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I asked you on the podcast. I was like, are you actually saying I did a sloppy? you did a sloppy science? And you're like, not really sure. I think so, though. Like, how do you uh, not, just no. wake me when, when the uh, self-defense poo-poo and the PP EP comes out. Okay. <laughs> Done. So, all right. Uh, guys, we have another 80s Mosh Madness episode. Very excited for this. Um, without further delay, let's run through it. <clears throat> Today, we are looking at two matchups. Vision in the blink of an eye. This one hurts. Up against Warzone. Don't forget the struggle. Yeah. Don't forget the streets. Man, they um, pulled a fucking rough one. Yep. Yep. Um, and then Crumb Suckers, Life of Dreams, up against DRI, dealing with it. Fun. Really fun. Really fun. Um, any overall thoughts about these four records before we get in and really mince the pie? Um, mm. Municipal Waste would not exist without DRI. That's true. Right. Even though like, I think if we were comparing their sound, uh, they might be closer to the Crumb Suckers record on these two records. Maybe. But like vocally, he yeah. sounds so much like him. He reminds oh, me sure, sure. Vocally there. But I think sonically. Yeah. Anyways, no spoilers. My, uh, my take on Crumb Suckers is, uh, is this a controversial take? More of a question. <gasps> Is this the superior New York hardcore crossover record to all to, and I'm throwing everything in there. Tom, I know that you're going to disagree with that. Bob, you might come around. I don't know. Did you have a strong feeling on this? I guess we can get into it. I got a strong feeling. I got strong feelings on this. I'm intimately familiar with this record. And, uh, I I was so curious about the matchup between crumb suckers and DRI because I think we can largely group them together sonically, but, on these two specific releases, I think there's some interesting differences. Um, on the other side of the bracket, is it fair to call both the Vision record and the Warzone record uh, melodic hardcore in some ways? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also have uh, the correct placement of Warzone in the New York family tree. So, uh, sonically speaking, as it is. Um, where do we want to start? Do we want to do Vision and Warzone, or do we want to do DRI and Crumb Suckers? Let's do DRI and Crumb Suckers. All right. Let's wow. do DRI and Crumb Suckers. <clears throat> Let's talk about DRI dealing with it. This is their second studio album released in March of 1985 on a little label called Metal Blade. NBD, no big deal. No big deal. Just Metal Blade in 85, putting out DRI. Um, do you know how many songs are on this record, guys? I just counted. <laughs> 25. <laughs> 25. Uh, the longest song, there is, you know, 3 minutes and 50 seconds. It's long. Uh, shortest song, um, 26 27, seconds. yeah. Yeah, so good. So good. Um, DRI, a hardcore punk band who goes full heavy metal, thrash metal, they're a hardcore punk band on this record. Yes. But even their transition isn't that 
Stark. Totally agree. They, they, I don't think the Stark is like the AF transition. It's more gradual, and it still maintains a lot of the same DNA. I think you have yeah. to get pretty far into the DRI like discography before it feels right. really, really detached. Right. Like, like I don't even know. Like, definition, definition starts to feel a little further, but you'll still find some stuff. I think even on full speed ahead, there's some elements of stuff that you can point way back to this era. Um, yeah. This is to me a record that I could probably cut five to 10 songs, but I wouldn't even be cutting five to 10 bad songs, just kind of condensing it. And it has some really, really high highs. Like, um, fuck. Let me see here. I Don't Need Society is an absolute classic hardcore song to me. Like, I love it. Like, borderline perfect. Um, Yes, ma'am. Great song. Couch Slouch, great song. Yes, yes, ma'am. It's pretty good. Yes, ma'am. It's great. Reaganomics, great song. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How do we explain DRI to a 2022 hard like Wilson from Westchester? Oh God! Yeah. So here's the hard part for me: the tongue-in-cheek funness of it feels. Mm. Uh, I I don't think people do this a lot anymore, and if they do, it's relegated to kind of a, a Fat Records sort of uh, milieu, right? So, yeah. but I think I, Municipal Waste does it. Yeah, I, but I think they're the only ones. I, I I don't know of anybody else going for this type of fun, like, like Waka Waka. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and so you you actually uh, maybe intentionally or, or inadvertently um, lined it up. This is a band who I would say was a serious band who had not quite fifty percent of their songs were fun and silly, but they had serious moments too. Um, I think one of my favorite songs uh, of DRI is the song hooked on crossover, which is, I'm pretty sure like a heroin song, Um, anti-heroin, but um, they have this irreverent and this is 85 and their sound is getting a little more full and better production than their, the EP, the violent pacification or dirty rotten. Um, but it still has that like, Hey, we're writing short, fast, angry songs yeah. that could be about nothing or about the government or war or literally like, you know, literally nothing. You know what I mean? I'd rather be right. sleeping, you know? And there's uh, songs that are, Silly, but also quite serious. Like, give my taxes back, which is such a great, such a great fucking song lyrically. Such a like. Listen for a lot of our listeners that uh, this is too goofy for them. Give mm-hmm. this, give this a shot because it is. Uh, it's how I feel a lot of times, and I'm pretty serious about it. So, uh, a fun one. Uh, just wanted to. Uh, here's an opinion. Uh, so the other day I had to go through my emails looking for an email from a few months ago. Uh, Mike Sutphin, who I've mentioned on this podcast before, he was uh, in Charles Bronson and is a good artist, really good artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he's a listener and he said, by the way, at the end of this email, and I saw this yesterday, if you're looking for good DRI material, it's Dirty Rotten and Violent pacif- uh, Pacification. Yeah, that's do their best you, material. Do you agree that Violent Pacification is like, what, uh, how do you rate these? Because I feel completely outside of this. This is not, this is novelty for me. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, it's like I'm passing through entirely. So what's Dirty Rotten is the punk, ver- is the their best material. It's their earliest. It's a, ton it's, it was originally pressed as a seven inch it's like maybe uh, like 15 minutes long 18 minutes mm-hmm. 17 minutes something like that um it is the songs are all super short like 19 seconds 21 seconds 35 seconds like there's a couple longer songs but they're mostly very very fast yes ma'am's on there reaganomics is on there um, I don't need societies on there. They're all great. And the versions on Dirty Rotten are awesome. They're not quite as full as the versions on Dealing With It. So, like, I like this version of I Don't Need Society better. I just think it sounds more full. I like the bass sound on it a lot more on here. Um, Violent Pacifications, oh, which, there's a few songs. It's good. Which On Dealing way, With It, I like, yeah. Regarding the sound, it's going to be, it's going to play a major part in my deciding here because I think that this record sounds really good. I think it sounds much better than the crumb suckers record. Oh, interesting. I I don't think I disagree, but uh, there's a charm in both. Like, here's the part to me is that this is for my, for my like interest in eighties hardcore. This is far from my favorite hardcore record of the 80s, dealing with it, but it is a fastball. This is just straight down the middle fastball. There's some hits. I'm not mad at any of it. Some of the lyrics are a little stupid, but I sort of forgive DRI for that. I don't think that's true for most people. Like I, I Well, I don't think most people who like DRI are surprised by some of the very of the time lyrics. So, you know. There's nothing that I find offensive, but there are things that it's like, ah, band post 2010 <laughs> is probably not writing. I'd rather be sleeping, you know. Um, I mean, they or, might be because they're 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, and regardless, I think this is a really good record. The highs are super high, and it never gets bad to me. But but you know, it's it's fast. It's straightforward. It's not power violence. No. But it's short, fast, fast, hardcore songs. And and DRI, the, the fact this record was released on Metal Blade, this was a lot of people's first hardcore band. Sure. Um, that makes sense. They, they appealed to the metal crowd because they were as fast. Um, shout out to, you know, friend Jeff TDT, who was like, yeah, you know, like when I got into music, I was into like, you know, metal and like then got into heavy metal and then was looking for something faster. So I got into like thrash metal and then I was looking for something that was faster or crazier. And I got into like hardcore and punk, you know? Um, and, and I mean, DRI is one of the, is a band who plays into a lot of those kind of stories because it was available. We talked about this a little bit last week with the adolescence record that it was sort of available. DRI records were always available. Like, Every record store 
south of like you know any record store that wasn't fundamentally christian probably had gri records there you know metal blade will get you in some like in the whiz and like yeah sam goody and shit <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah thank you for the nobody beats the whiz god i love nobody Pat, did you ever whiz. listen to thrash zone dri thrash zone uh what's the cover it's the, the famous guy. dri yeah. like yeah. moshing yeah. yes yes because i feel like that was always my go-to yeah that and four of a kind yeah or four because of a kind. i don't know if i don't know if i've listened to it all. i like four of a kind it's got some tracks but yeah thrash own was like the first record i had heard by them it was like because they had a video on headbangers ball Oh, really? so-called abdu- abduction mm-hmm. and like i mean i was probably fucking 15 it was like one of those things like you're falling asleep on the couch and like you have to like flip over to be like what the fuck is this <laughs> that was dri abduction for yeah me. and i think it's it's not nearly as like fast and crossovery as or it's more crossovery and less just punk hardcore yes i mean it's 1989 so it's not like it's like that far from these records mm-hmm. but um but I think yeah, it's more of a. It's some of the songs are a little longer, sometimes by ten per, to by ten, yeah. um, and and they have much better production. Like they 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 were yeah. well into the metal world and and recording with real studios and able to do real stuff. Which yeah, certainly like, beneath the wheel is a hard song. You know this band wrote. So the one thing that's really interesting about DRI. Uh, in in the question, can you slam to it? You can slam to most of this record. <laughs> this is a yeah. record you can be slamming around to. They don't really do mosh parts breakdowns in the style that we think of mosh parts or breakdowns. Like, there's no breaks in the manner of like, you know, Right Brigade by the Bad Brains or or any New York hardcore mosh parts. You know. But there's parts where they do tempo changes that are like, oh yeah, you can you can stomp around and dance to this. It's cool. Like, and I actually think, I think a lot of bands, whether they're conscious of it or not, are streaming DRI through secondary influences. Like DRI was influential to a lot of thrash metal bands, who then I think have influenced future generations of hardcore bands. Which is a weird thing to say, but I think that's where we're at. Which, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like sick of it all in bands like that, they all grew up going to see DRI. 100%. Oh, dudes of a certain generation, this is just like one of the greats. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Of course. It never hit like that to me. I just want to tell you the most charming thing that I've seen in a long time. (laughs) I'm looking at the DR, I'm on the discogs.com right now looking at DRI Thrash Zone. And yes, it's the one that I've heard, but the, the, I click in the liner notes or whatever, the additional photos, and there's a photo of the CD, but it's a photo of the CD. So yes. they, <laughs> so there's a kid leaning over the CD, and you can Taking see the, the reflection. Yeah, in the CD. Oh, I, love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, okay. So, yeah, not like this to me. I mean, Tom, you, you were familiar with DRI before. I'm betting you knew at least some of these songs. What was your feelings listening to this whole record? I thought it was a great like record uh, for the time. Yeah. And one of those things, like again, I don't know if I this would be my go-to, even after familiarizing myself even more with it. Yeah. But um, but I think like you can't go wrong, like, you know, if you're on a fucking road trip and throw this some some of these songs on. 
So yeah. What do you guys think wasn't. of the cover art for this record? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I always thought they had cool cover art. I did too. It's it's chaotic. It's weird. It's got a lot of personality. It's uh, vaguely has kind of a comic feel to me, but but more so, it's just like it has a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, and the band all looks like Otto from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, that's fact. Yo, enough said. Otto from The Simpsons would definitely fuck with this record. Um, oh, 100%. He definitely has it in his Walkman. Crumb Suckers, Life of Dreams. Uh, released in 1986 on Combat Core Records. Low-key, wildly underrated. Wildly, yes. Um, like, this is so influential on, like, metal. So that's the part I can't tell. I can't tell how influential this was directly on other bands or if it was just this secret thing that people, some people stole. Like, I never hear people cite this. Like, is it, is, are they going unrecognized, Tom, do you think? I think so. I mean, like, you know, Metallica came to CBS to see fucking Chrome Suckers. Right. True. Not wrong. Not wrong. Um, no, that's a story. That's yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, not. I know. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I mean, they were there. So, like, yeah. I feel like they were. You know, like I, I think they was they were early on on the fucking crossover. That like yes. maybe fucking SOD doesn't happen, or maybe fucking or no, it was oh. probably about the same time. It no, I, I mean, yo, time, these I these guys were around for a while. I oh yeah I yeah yeah. See, you know, like these dudes were doing the like weird metal punk hardcore mashup for a while before this record comes out but yo um okay so i think we we both totally agree tom completely completely uh underrated um is this record more thrash metal than the dri record we're comparing it to yes yes this is like, less hardcore than the other one yeah unequivocally to me yeah, patrick yeah Mm. You think Sorry, you I'm think drinking. dealing with Oh okay okay. No, I'm I'm drinking my Mount Franklin lightly sparkling. Uh they don't call they have a real deficit of seltzer in this country. I have to like go searching for it. Anyway, um, so we got to open a comic store and a uh seltzer distributor. Is that right? No, the move here is if I could be the guy who uh gets the yerba mate rights. They don't have yerba mate and they're cr- they're so behind here. They're crazy about kombucha. They're like, oh, kombucha. Oh, it's in every gas mm, station. Mm. They, when yerba mate hits, they're going to flip their shit. All right. Um, here's the thing. Both of these, what was the question? Which one's more of a proper crossover record? Yeah, or thrash. Yeah. yeah. Which one has more metal I mean, in it? Oh, this has more metal. But to me, they no both, to, to, to me, they are both very clearly thrash records to me. I know you guys think the DRI record sounds very hardcore. I guess that's in some respects, I can totally see it, but these are just different branches of the thrash tree to me personally. Sure. I think what it is, is that for DRI, even on the next record, which is crossover, (laughs) they get significantly more metal. And so that might be influencing it a bit. Sonically, if you compare this to the earlier DRI records, DRI records, it does sound more. There's a lot more metal in it, um, but to me, it still lands it at this kind of squarely punk hardcore sound. Whereas Life of Dreams, it was interesting that you said what you said about the production of the DRI record in comparison to this one, 
because I've never thought the production on the Crumb Suckers record was bad per se, but that's mostly because this is a record I've known for a long time. Like this is a record I got. Um, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure this was one of the ones that got the uh, double disc, the double two LPs on a CD treatment. Am I right about that? Crumb Suckers? Yeah. I don't know if I ever what that and beast on did my back. I don't know it? if that ever existed. Oh, no, then maybe then. I know, well, like, regardless, cultural alarm did with with um with with uh, uh with victim and pain. justice with, with victim and pain. Right. Yeah. No, you know what? But I don't know if I'm trying to this think must, now if they ever this, got this was in the DNA in in brick. This was a record that we all had or got copies so, of, and there was a CD so, of it that came out. Um, and it I've I've known this uh, record since uh, I was like answer, sixteen. To answer your question, uh, they did put them together. Uh, they did. Yeah, they did. I've never seen this version. I had to look it up, but they they did put them together. Okay, so there you go. Um, so I um, I've known this record for a long time, so I never thought about it. If you gave this record a bigger room production, I think it would be like. One, I don't know how much. I think it would feel a little bit more removed from hardcore. Yes, but it would probably sound like the the metal on it. Maybe that it would it would travel it would have traveled further because um, sonically, I think the it's like it's like a thrash record with perfect hardcore production, um, and it's catchy. And I think the songs all are at the exact right length. And listening through, there was parts that I was like, man, I haven't, once again, <laughs> this is a record I haven't sat with in a long time. And there's the songs I know super hard. I know Shit's Creek 400 times, you know. Um, it was very popularly covered by Kill Your Idols, blah, blah, blah. But like when I was listening, I was like, oh, the song Trapped. This song's awesome. Interlude. The interlude's that awesome. That song is awesome. Trapped is awesome. 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 It's a great song. Um I just the longest war, great song. I'm listening. I'm like, man, this record has hits, and I don't know if it gets recognized for that. I think people nod at it. One, the album art, Sean Taggart album art. This is as good as the album art for Cause for Alarm, in my opinion. Yeah, the the Crumb Sucker. One of my favorite images, the crumb sucker on this record, I used to draw on my notepads in high school all the time. <laughs> I loved it. That and there's a um, there's a uh, trash. What is it? It's like a, a rat coming out of a trash boot. New York hardcore comp. And I used to draw that on my shit too. Um, <laughs> but that those this this record to me is the most unspoken of New York hardcore classic. Even though it's more, it's more thrash, it's more metal than even stuff like Age of Quarrel, like Leeway, like Cause for Alarm. Um, this is the most metal New York hardcore gets for at least a couple years. Like I don't know, like maybe maybe by desperate. No, I don't know. I, I do, and there's parts That's on this record. Metal. Yeah, I was gonna say until Desperate Measures, like '89, I guess in '90 yeah. maybe. Um, but there's parts on this where you he feel the groove too. Like it's not just thrashing. There's New York hardcore stuff on here that I'm like, oh damn. Like I in in previous listens had kind of ignored some of that and was really pulled in on this listen. Was really, really excited to listen to it, to be honest. 
Do you think them being from Long Island hurt them? Yes. Not not in like some like oh from Long Island. No, but in terms of like New York hardcore cred. You want to know? Maybe cred, but more the lore. Who are the? I can't. You know, like if somebody's like, oh, you know, this guy from from Crumb Suckers. I'm like, oh yeah, but like I know who Sean Taggart is more than any of the pe- members of the band. Yes. And, and I, you, but Pat, you know somebody else from this band quite well. Do I? Singing from Propane, brother. Oh yes, you're right. You're right. They played bass. Uh, uh, Gary. That, uh, oh, Gary. So Chris Nataro, I know that name. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, that's the guy. Singer never uh, went on to do anything else. I don't think. No, but but like I know the name, but it's like not Drummer so much went on like life agony. Yeah, right. Like like it's so, sort of like yo, you get the New York hardcore stories of Vinny and Roger and Freddie and Harley and all the, you know, and st- and like, uh, you know, even rap bones or less like, like lower, like lower, yeah. no lesser known folks. Well, like even dudes like, 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 you know, Russ is in these old pictures, Russ from underdog and yeah. you know, Todd youths around. And then here's all the like rev guys are hanging out and like, here's all these pictures of the low side. And here's these, you know, it's like, it's like, who's who, like if you ever get the chance to sit with someone who, who, was really into it or even better if they were there and show them old photos of CBs, they do a who's who of everybody. And it's crazy, but I, you never hear those stories about crumb suckers guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only story, the only like bit of like folklore about them is it's the fucking story. Yeah. Kirk Hammond shows up to see them at CBGBs with like the, the anthrax dudes. Yep. Some New York Harker guy is like fucking with them. Yep. And Billy Milano, like step to the New York hardcore guy, I made him stop. Oh, really? See, I didn't know that. Yeah, about. yeah. I, I mean, wasn't it? Coming. I mean, and we, didn't Kirk get on stage and play a song with them? Played, right, they were like, "Get off the stage, rock star," and all this sort of stuff. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah, like bullshit. But I, 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 I was always in the story I heard that was Tommy Carroll. That sounds right. And that, like, and and Billy Milano, who at the time was probably a. You know, Tommy Carroll is a boxer, like a fucking Golden Gloves boxer. But like, I think like maybe Tommy, uh, maybe um, uh, Billy Milano had a little bit more sway at the time or whatever. But he he like got him to like leave Malone. But like, yeah. for all intents and purposes, Kirk Hammond was going to get the shit kicked out of him at the middle of CBGBs by Tommy Carroll. Yeah, which is one of those. Hey, there's a famous person here. I'm going to beat him up, kind of. Yeah, right. I'm going to make a fucking yeah. Yeah. It's, here's the scene. Um. All right. <sighs> Tom. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there, hardcore historians, but I thought yeah. that was a story. That's that that sounds that tracks to me. Tom, Crumbsuckers, this record on this by the way, how familiar slash into this record are you? I we haven't talked about it before. I like this. I didn't like Beast on My Back. Same. I mean, I, Beast like, on My Back is like known for kind of being like the the sophomore slump of all sophomore slumps. Yes, yes, and and I remember wanting to so much because I really liked Life of Dreams, but Beast of My Back, I, I just never, it just never touched me. No, I'm looking no. at it right now, none of these songs, none of these songs no, touched me. No, um, but yeah, I think this is a a great heavy record. I think it's incredibly um, undersold by, I mean, by a certain like I feel like after like. Even people in my age range, yep, don't talk about this. So never mind, like the thirty-one-year-old talking about like crumb suckers. I feel like 
Yeah. Anyone over, over like fucking like if you're under if you're like a couple years under fifty, you're probably not talking about the crumb suckers for some weird reason. No, the, no reunions. No, and, and I think that lore. I think the lore not being there. I I never thought about it till you said that. Think and about lore that works for some. Having some like very little. Lore, I mean, think of how much lore did for Judge. Th- think about how much lore did for Chromags up until they milked it forever. You know what I mean? Like right. right. That was half the experience. It was like, yo, the Chromags are playing. Oh shit, we got to go see that. Yeah, you know, right. you got to see it live. And these and dudes, there was never any. No, no, and it was always like, here are the fucking and most important crossover records. It'd be like this record, cross, cause for alarm, fucking speak English or die, like all these fucking records. But like this always seemed like the last one that people were talking about. Yeah, yeah, is that crazy I, I thing. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, don't know why. I, mean, I can't know. Like through no fault of their own, because this record fucking rips. Yo, for New York hardcore records from the mid '80s. This one gets the least talk, and uh, it is it is kind of perplexing. Patrick, what was your familiarity with this band and this record in general before this listen? Uh, I've heard this record. <clears throat> never heard The Beast is Back, I don't think. Uh, this one is one that you're drawn to as a kid because you either like the art or you don't. Yes. Uh, I like this type of art. Uh, this is uh, So if you're not familiar with New York hardcore art, this is the epitome of it. Uh, it is, and that's really a matter of taste. If like, if you're a kid, like right now I'm really into this, right? Like yes. I am enjoying this stuff. I'm ripping it off in other things that I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, it's something that I really enjoy, but yes. as a kid, you might not know, you might not identify it. You'd have to put together like th- probably three, at least New York hardcore records that employ that type of art, that sort of cartoony stuff, the Sean Taggart stuff, particularly uh, to make like a, uh, a connection in your head that is New York hardcore art and whatever, and these flyers and whatever. But before that, you just think, oh, it's cool that they had their friend draw this, right? That's what you think when you're a kid. Like, because it doesn't look, no disrespect to Sean Taggart, it, it, it doesn't look uh, professional in the way that other records that you were picking up when you were fucking 14 are, you know? Yes. So, <laughs> so it's, it's got a very cool vibe. Uh, this record, uh, I did not, I couldn't whistle any of these fucking songs on this listen. I enjoyed a lot of them, uh, Trapped in particular. Uh, but th- I found after listening to DRI that, which has like, maybe some people would say that that's a little too clean. This was too boomy for me. I actually mm-hmm. got neurotic and, and went through and l- looked who recorded it and all that. Okay. Uh, uh, same guy that did, uh, uh, some of the AF records, uh, maybe Life of Agony, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a guy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this sounded, guy. Th- it was a guy. Uh, system Systems One, System One, uh, it, whatever. System uh, Michael, Michael Marciano. Yeah. Thank oh, no. you, thank you. Exactly yeah. right. Yes. Um, so I found the production on this boomy in a way that I lost his voice, and I did not enjoy that at all. It made me mad. <laughs> I like, think the entire time. Time I was the, like, I'd like to hear him more. The low end on dealing with it sounds so much better than the low end on this record. Like, uh, there's just certain let, elements that I, I think are. What record am I thinking of? Too that. No, it's it's. I'm thinking of I don't need society. I'm just thinking about when it steps down. It's like, dun, 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 and then comes back from it. You just have way more depth in the sound than you get 
at any point on the Crumb Suckers record. Yeah, I mean, just for just for clarity's sake, because these guys are really playing. So for me, I, I just felt like you can't have you can't have this type of playing plus uh, vocals that I would actually like to hear uh, and just lose it all. And I don't know. I'm sure that there's some people that this is their favorite type of production. I'm gonna fucking get those DMs. But uh, to me, uh, I would have liked a little bit cleaner sound on this. Um, I think this was more fun than I anticipated going in because I put them sonically closer together and they're not a million miles apart. DRI dealing with it and this crumb suckers record, as I pointed out, I think crumb suckers is way more metal. Um, DRI, you know, I, I didn't even think about it, but it has a publish a more polished production and, you know, to many hearing that, <laughs> It's like DRI has more, but they're just were a significantly larger act than the Crumb Suckers. Between these two records, I think you can find a really cool place to be in the metal hardcore of the mid eighties. Um, if you like Dead Heat, if you like Mind Force, if you like fast hardcore of the even even stuff like restraining order which i lean more like that's boston hardcore but if you like that and you've never heard crumb suckers and you've never heard dri you should check it out um crumb suckers has more of the metal leads and and stuff that you'd find with a band like dead heat um uh the more straightforward hardcore you're going to get with from the restraining order or even like C4s of the world, you'll find that on both these records, just fast, no fucking around hardcore. Um, I really love both these records. For me, it's the Crumb Suckers LP between these two today. Tom, where are you at? We're going Crumb Suckers as well. Patrick. Uh, so uh, with um, protest, because I'm going to say, uh, I like the songs on the Crumb Suckers record more. Yeah, I like the I like the production on the DRI record more. So th- to me, this was like a challenge. Like I was a little annoyed. I guess is what I'm driving at. No, here. I get it. I but, get. I think the 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 my favorite song on either of these is "I Don't Need Society." I, I that's like one of my favorite. That's in my top twenty five all time hardcore songs. Maybe even higher. I'm just trying to be broad. That's just an incredible song to me. Um, but yeah, both these records are awesome. This was a really tough one for me. All right. Guys, Vision in the Blink of an Eye and Warzone. Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. Which one do we do first? Let's go Vision. Vision in the Blink of an Eye released on Nemesis Records in 1989. Uh, a New Jersey band. This is um, this is to New Jersey what one King Down is to <laughs> Albany. <laughs> this is to New Jersey what Black Flag is to the South Bay. Um, this yeah. is to New Jersey what Iron Age is to Texas and all that stuff. Um, those None of these are exactly right on, but Vision is a synonymous with New Jersey band. I'll admit my biases, but I also think this is a righteous and wholly overlooked record on a national level. But I, I also want you guys to check me. Uh, is this a good hardcore record? Yes. Yeah. Un- undeniably. My only issue with it is, uh, 
I think this type of melodic hardcore, I am not qualified to talk about. And explain that's why. Just <laughs> it all sounds good to me, and it never leaves a mark. And I don't know how to. Like, when I was listening to it, I was thinking, "God, this is pretty good." I said, "Oh, they're playing well. Oh, the songs are pretty good. Vocals are good. Nothing was bad." <laughs> but I was waiting for a song to grab me and for me to hit back. And I just didn't. And I get really frustrated with this type of melodic hardcore, which Bob, you and I talked before we went to air. It's mm. kind of difficult to find a, a one-to-one comparison. Uh, I mean, it's not nice to do that to bands well, anyway, but it's, it's, should, but it's go on. No, no, I was going to say you're, you're right. It's very hard to find one-to-one comparisons for this type of band. I'd love to get Tom's input. Go in. Here's my input. I feel like this, obviously, Jersey Classic, we're like the kings of New Jersey hardcore for many, 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 many years. I think this, when people, I, I don't know, if, I feel like I'm having deja vu because I don't know if I've said this before. Uh huh. I don't know if I've said it to you guys. Did I think it? I'm getting old, fellas. I'm just throwing this out there. It's, all a lot, it's been a lot of hours of recording here, too, but, you know. I feel like that when people are always going like, band sounds like turning point they also sound like fucking vision and if sometimes they sound more like vision than they do turning point uh that's uh, yes. interesting no so that's so very so, similar tom <clears throat> when people talk about really enjoying the turning point lp to me that's where turning point started they they're they're around i'm sure it's it's a fun conversation but to me the turning point lp seems like they really they heard in the blink of an eye and we're like oh oh we can incorporate some of these elements yeah like it's not like they're trying to lift yo in in honesty on this record vision does a lot of stuff that i can't think of many other hardcore bands doing and doing well like well at the time and even later like the the guitar playing on this style like and the drumming the drumming is really like ex, like exceptional and it's all tight as you can possibly imagine um i'm trying I, i'm i'm i lack for great one to one i think that's a great reference tom i think we have talked about that at some point but like it's fantastic. I, there's a lot. There's a lot more Turning Point fans out there right now than Vision fans. And Tom, if I had said that to you in 1998 at a show in New Jersey, what would you have said? Get the fuck out of here. Yes. Like it's it's almost like, unfathomable at that point in time. No. Yeah. I mean, we and in the Indecision recorded some early stuff with Jay from Turning Point. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like 93, 94 at this place called Why Me Studios. A famous studio, yeah. Yeah, and and like I remember being like like finding out later on because it was like pre-internet. They were they were like, oh, that's that's that was the dude from Turning Point. And I was like, cool. All right. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> moving on. You know what I mean? Like, and then it became like the I, I don't know who because as, as usual with hardcore, it, it only takes one or two people to go like no, 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 this is the band you should listen to. Yeah, yeah. And then no, they become headliners. They it. Yeah, and, and credit to it, I, I think very good band, and it's it, they deserve it. Oh, of but, course, yeah. Not, but, this is no way to, of, of besmirching their name. No, right, no, no, like, of course not. There's always like, how we always talk about, like, you know, like Super Touch got, was never as big as when, until Mental 
Sure. No, no. Yeah. Mental like locking up. them up, whatever. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yep. Like, no, no. It's, it's cool because you see it and you see bands get their flowers later than maybe they deserve to. And But the, what's important is they get it. Here's us trying to give vision some. Um, Tom, when I was talking to Pat before recording, I said the band who it's, it's very, it's not a one-to-one comparison. But Vision is the only hardcore band that did stuff in their melodies and in some of the guitar parts and and then vocally, lyrically, that made me go, is this a touch bad religion here? Um, yeah, as I much as, you know what I mean? Like, there's just... I think about... Um, just there's there's just there's a sharpness to the guitar sound that you don't hear elsewhere. They're unafraid to do total full breaks out of the music. Um, you know, I think about um, what's inside is is a great example of that. Um, where it's just not like they are doing different song structures than other bands, and I think that especially at the time, like. This is a band who I think it'd be kind of easy to lump them in with some of the Revelation stuff or like kind of in the youth crewish world, but they weren't a part of that at all. Um, they released a record on Nemesis, which is cool. They played a lot of shows. They played with New York hardcore bands more than anything. When oh for sure, know, when Carl or when when Anthony couldn't go with Killing Time to Europe, Dave from Vision went, went and sang, which is crazy, right? Right. Um, so, you know, this is a melodic hardcore record. I said there's some elements that you could pull and say, okay, maybe there's a little bit of like dag nasty in here. But it's not, it's, it's really got its own thing. Like, here's my, I got, I got a question for you, Bob. You're always please, got please. a question. I got a question for you. No more fucking questions. Here's the answer oh. Is this a bridge between the youth crew? And new age. Uh yeah, yeah. Sonically, it's 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 in there. Like, but could like, you hear this with outspoken and mouthpiece as much as you could hear this with GB and one hundred percent, one hundred, if not more. No, no question. It, it's <sighs> tempo wise. I think they were doing something. You know, the interesting part about all this is that these guys, Vision started as a band called Neurotic Impulse, like significantly earlier than people would know. Like the Neurotic Impulse demo is 87. Um, And they were like skins from Central Jersey, you know. Um, And I mean, and I think they were all kind of had been around and had been around like New Jersey hardcore for a while before that too, you know, like. Um, right, City Gardens and everything else. Well, yeah. right, and and but like even like like oh, you know, like these Probably are guys who like AOD kind of stuff, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. But man, in the blink of an eye is a defining record. Uh, the cover photo from it is from a very famous show at Scott Hall in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is on Rutgers campus. Um, oh wow. It's uh, vision bold enough, and oh, why am I blanking on the other band? Uh, another band. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong, but enough only played like six or seven shows. Um, 
they were giving out the way it is posters at this show. This was like a super famous New Jersey show. And Vision was always that band who kind of stole the show no matter what. Um, right. Yeah, like there's a part that to me that it's, again, like undeniably local. But to me, they have an energy on this record that, that I, I think kind of supersedes melodic hardcore where they're more aggressive. And like this was a lot sort of like, okay, okay, I'll say this. Crown of Thorns and Vision don't sound the same, but they're most no. bands who sonically are melodic, more melodic than people would, would give them credit for that people who don't listen to typically melodic stuff have in their repertoire. You know what I mean? Yeah, I always kind of equated them with like Vision sort of with, um, even though they don't sound the same, but the same vibe as like Reach the Sky. Okay, yeah, no, no, there, that's that's because actually like a good melodic, melodic punk and hardcore played by like dudes that would not hesitate to knock your fucking teeth down your throat. That's, like that's Dave Franklin was a bad dude, like a tough dude, not a bad dude, like a tough guy, like oh, no, very... t- no bullshit fucking like, you know. He was the uh, yeah he was a he was unafraid to bully bullies. We'll say that and uh, right exactly that's what I mean and and I think like for but but I think you know but he chose to not be the stereotypical yeah you know tougher <laughs> hardcore and played this yes yeah which, and you know which and, really kind of stood stood apart from a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time hundred uh, percent so so anyways this record really sticks with me um, I. Th- I really like this is a record for someone who likes faster late 80s hardcore if you're into the rev catalog you this is an easy one to get into I think but it's not going to be dead on you you can like some of the like mid 80s DC this is not that but you could probably fall into it you could like the more melodic side of the early 90s and really find something in this Um, I think the competency of the players is going to be a big strength to a modern ear. Patrick, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, this is what everybody talks about when they talk about vision, right? Like it's that these dudes could really play. Uh, It's, I was kind of, you know how I sound ambivalent towards this record. I apologize to the dudes in vision. It's a good fucking record. It's, I was reading the comments on the YouTube where this record is available <laughs> and it's people that really fucking connected, really connected. And part of the connection was the, the musicianship, which everybody admired. Uh, yeah. It was, and it put it in my head. I should be appreciating this more. They are ripping. I just, of all the records that we listened to in the last couple of weeks, this is the one where I thought I want to like this more than I do. It's just good. That and I, f- I feel frustrated. No, by it. no, no, no. You know what? I think part of it might be. And Tom, you saw Vision more than once. I'm assuming. A lot of times. Oh yeah, yes. yeah. Played with them a bunch. Yeah. I almost, place. I almost sent you videos, Patrick, because their reactions are wild. Perhaps more than you would expect for a band with this sound. Oh no! Listen, I, I I have no doubt. It's it's you know, and and it's sort of that kind of feeling where it's like, oh wait, okay, this is a band who these songs are playing and people are going like bananas. So you know, it, it isn't to take away from the record. We're kind of just talking about the record now. Um, something that is hurting this record, and we have mentioned this not even long ago, so we won't belabor it. 
The last time this record was widely available was when Tacklebox Records reissued it in 1997, which is 25 years ago now, Tom. So fucked. Yeah. And they were on Epitaph in the meantime. Like No yep. one decided, like, hey, we should keep this classic record in... In some kind of circulation, it's it's um it's a crime. So, anyways, everybody, go. Uh, we, we put the link out there. We'll do it again. Search "Vision in the Blink of an Eye" um and listen to those songs on YouTube, guys. Uh, a record that did get really issued, thankfully, after a very long time away, is the Warzone. Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. LP originally released in 1988 on Fist Records shortly thereafter after reissued on Caroline Records. Um, guys, Warzone, New York Hardcore. Let's go. I mean, Can I get it? Hottest take. Hottest take ever. Uh, I, Warzone is uh, responsible for me and my involvement in hardcore music. They're one of the first bands that I saw. I was blown away. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. It was awesome. Uh, Where was that? I think I, uh, that was at Bogies, I want to say. But when I've tried to find this exact show, I cannot find it. So either long-time listeners will remember you dream. doing that, uh, spending at least five minutes of umming and awing at different flyers. Yeah. 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 So I have no fucking idea where that was, Tom. But sure, uh, it wasn't QE two. It might have been. We played with Warzone in QE two, nineteen ninety seven. With Tripface and and we talked about in this together because remember it was the band that sounded like you today. Yes, yeah, and the kids from Long Island came and staged over naked off the the bars in front of. So yeah, you like I, you'd I, catch a fucking full scrote like trying to sing along. This would have been <laughs> I, but I think this would have been the end of 2015 or the or maybe it, it was probably 2016 uh and i also would have remembered nude men 2016 you saw rabies in 2016 no 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 pardon me it's 19 1996 thank you 26 oh, years ago yes so you know, whoa, is, what's going on Wait, with what my kind brain? of fucking acid do you do in fucking australia <laughs> this is I just saw six. what's wrong with my brain anyway um i think i've told the story i approached rabies at a payphone uh, not on the day of that show, but uh, he was outside what is uh, referred to in Albany as the ghetto chopper. And uh, mm, I d- had no idea why he was there. It was so odd. Maybe he was visiting friends. Uh, but I uh, I just remember he was very, very kind. But I was also like like trying to have a conversation. Like I was trying to have a conversation that the dude was like, I'm on the fucking phone. You know, (laughs) 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 you approach me at a payphone. Like he was just, yeah. To explain this to someone in the future, approaching someone at a payphone, you, you, you're real. The only way to do it right was to like, it's someone, you know, intimately and you touch them on the shoulder and give them the what's up and they go, Oh cool. What's up? And you immediately slink to the back because they are paying to talk to someone on the phone. <laughs> right, you, you approach somebody on a payphone, it's like 80% fight. Uh, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's definitely no, – what it is is, uh, hey, man, I don't got any fucking change. Get away from me. Yeah. It's never good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at any rate uh, – Okay. So, yes, you, only- you, you, this is your caveat. You've said, yep, yeah, this is the band responsible for you. You're showing a lot of love. I feel yeah, like there's a twist. Drop the shoe. Uh, I th- – I just went the last, I don't know the last time I listened to a Warzone record. It's been a long minute. I went a long time thinking that they were a band that had an impact on me that was not good. And this record 
is so good. Yes. I was shocked. shocked I haven't listened to this record in 20 years. And I was fucking shocked at how good this record is. I don't know why it's been in my head that they couldn't play. This fucking record rules. It's a really good. uh, Here's a question that maybe can't can't be answered. Mm. Why? In the same way we don't talk about crumb suckers, why don't we talk about this Warzone record? Why why was lip service paid oh. to it for a few years and then seemingly never again? Because he became icon iconography and and they forgot about his music. And they forgot how good this record is because this record's really yeah. really good. This is the this is Patrick to me, this is the East Coast 7 Seconds were the crew. Or East Coast yeah, 7 you're Seconds not wrong. the crew. Yo, you're not wrong. This is a super melodic record. Mm-hmm. And not in the way, obviously not in the way Vision is, which is like more of what we would call Vision, to, to go back for a second, for our mm-hmm. listeners, uh, Vision is, in my view, much closer to the template of what would become melodic hardcore, right? Like what a lot of our listeners, particularly those who started going to shows in the in the mid- Right, because there's metallic guitars as opposed to punk guitars. And this is punk That's right. guitars. Yep. That's right. So, uh, but this is very melodic, d- yep. like front to back. And yep. it is fucking, it's just really fun. <laughs> like, so, I love this. So this record in the New York hardcore family tree falls between Murphy's Law and Gorilla Biscuits. Uh, in terms of sound? I think sound, yeah. Not not membership because there's you know they actually do literally share members, yeah. but um, but but they, I, I think like sonically this is the way you can connect start today to the New York hardcore larger family tree in a much easier oh, way. Okay. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Um, it's not. I think I think Walter would cop to that. I think Walter would say, "Yo, Warzone's like one of the New York bands that we were like, yo, that's that's the sound we like." You know, Walter, um, Walter played a Warzone. That's right. Luke Luke plays drums on this record. Luke Morzone wrote it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. classic. That's for Pat. Uh, you guys everybody... bunch of pussies. Give it up for Luke. <laughs> yes. Shout out, Jules. Uh, everybody, the song "In the Mirror" is fucking awesome. <laughs> this, this record is fucking great. Uh, I had a, yeah, I had a great time with you. Yes. Do you think that this gets boiled down to? Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets. The song, not even because or as one. Uh, okay, so as one certainly is like the you know that it overshadows the rest hit, of it hit, being hit. that great. Yeah, super hit. But don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets is a meme. No disrespect to anybody involved. In uh, let's it's let's say let's say it's a shirt. It's a t-shirt more yeah, so yeah, than yeah, it's yeah. a meme. You know what I mean? Like it's but, it's a it's a branding thing. Um, great song. So that, yeah. So yes, I, I I would I I would say that it's been overshadowed by its kind of uh like you would reach to that phrase. Like that's the thing that that would be a, a joke among hardcore kids. And I don't mean a joke because Warzone's bad or anything like that. I mean a war No, like, like see you in the it, pit. It, yeah, yeah, see you like see in the pit. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget the streets. So, so uh yeah, I think it's it was a little too memeable and people have uh, forgot how good some of these songs are. Like crazy yeah, but not insane, or it's your choice. Just about to fucking all those crazy, songs, like this some songs. Like I don't like, think fast forwarded through growing up. The next step, probably fighting for a country. 
great fucking song. So I, th- mm-hmm. that was going to be a Wilson from Westchester question is how do you explain American pride in punk hardcore music, but it was largely, nah, but it's cool. <laughs> oh, this, uh, oh, you want to you go in on this one? This is very, I mean, I got to. There, <laughs> this is where I go, mute. I, I'm going to mute myself. So No, no I, it, it, it's just, it, we've got to, everything is in the context the of the time. So that's right. That's that right. that is to say that, and that's not making excuses. And it for, doesn't even oh, mean that it wasn't clunky at the time. By no, the way. it doesn't mean that. It doesn't In, mean that. But what it you know, Tom, you had friends who were skinheads. Uh, I had yes. friends who were skinheads. Um, Patrick, did you have any skinhead friends? Maybe a couple of posers. I doubt it. <laughs> well, yeah, poser skins in Albany, but there was a bunch of skins in the. New York City. Oh New no, Jersey that's not area. true. That's not true. There's 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 a couple of dudes upstate. I, and, and you see how I have to clean this up? You have to clean it up now. <laughs> <laughs> I have to clean it up. Uh, you know, there's there's some Albany skins. Go on. So they all liked America kind of a lot. At least a few. I had a couple who were anti, who were not patriotic skins, um, and it was sort of weird. But it was also like this weird. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain it, especially thinking about it in the context of now. Well, let me um, say, I mean, think about I, think about that in effect video, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's that part when fucking stigma like whistles and like waves them out, and they bring out a giant American flag. That's yes. right. So, and in ch- 1992, ch- that was kind of dope. I'm just. Gonna I say watched this. my friend's band do that in like 2009. And, or 2000-something at CBGB's, and they almost got, like, dragged off the stage. Yeah, yeah, different energy. Yeah, the, 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 there was a big shift. I'll say that. I'll also say this. Roger from AF does the pledge. Yeah. You know? I think 2002 Roger ain't doing the pledge on stage. No. You know what I'm saying? So, well, I, I think I can just – I can probably just answer this in the simplest terms. For a lot of people – and this, the reality of the United States doesn't matter. They're locked into what th- their perception of the ideals of it are. Their perception is the important part, everybody. So my father is a very patriotic person. That's because my father's idea of America is like this 1950s sort of uh, boom period financially. Everybody that works can afford a home. And that's yeah, his purview. That's his, Yeah, exactly. That's that's his uh, view of, of the United States from a formative time in his life. So this is all to say that if you are like, I, I worked on farms for a few summers. Uh, farmers hate the government. Yes. They love, they love the United States. Yes. And what they love is the idea they don't like they're not when they say they love the united states they're not talking about kids in cages they're not talking about uh, uh restricting the reproductive rights what they're talking about is their view that it is a place where if you work you can have good fortune for yourself and your children and that you have the freedoms to teach your children what you want what you're interested in etc now I have no judgments on this one way or the other. It's just for our listeners that are like, well, America is a shitty place. How could you like America? Well, America is a trillion things to a trillion people. Correct. For for a certain type of person, they locked on to their idea of what the United States more or less should be. It's Captain America America shit to a degree. Yes. 
So I'm not making excuses for anybody because I personally don't give a fuck. I'm just saying that when we get like people that are uh, very uh, binary in this, when they're like, but Correct. U.S. is bad. It's like, yes, no, that's fine. It is bad. Uh, and yes. also, do you understand that, for example, like <clears> – <throat> uh, and, but you can always – I was going to just point to the Bill of Rights but and how there's a great many people who think that these are perfect documents. Now, nothing is a perfect document, but if if you look at this idea that, okay, for the time that this was written, for it, was it a progressive and rather remarkable idea? Yeah, you could make that argument. So these are people – and also, this is me going one step further – past I don't care and also saying that a great many people who are invested in the United States as a concept are not what we would call erudite scholars it's a concept everybody they just you like a concept <laughs> let go Let, let's go also, back to he it was a, he was a naval person too so that's like. right that's right in the Navy um, yeah. guys uh, war zone don't forget the struggle on the streets I think we've nailed something People like the idea of this record. People like the cover art of this record. And talking about it more than they like the record. But the record deserves all of the love that all that other shit gets. Period. The record is very good. Um, It is undeniably a New York hardcore record. It is a record that we should be pointing to. Which a record we should be pointing to when it's like, hey, uh, what about melodic New York hardcore? This is a melodic record, but it still has a lot of energy. Uh, very danceable, <laughs> very good mosh parts. Um, like intro bust, it's your choice. Crazy Man Insane, Fuck Your Attitude as one. We're the crew. Don't forget the struggle. That's seven songs. And In the Mirror, I love In the Mirror. I love yeah. In the Mirror. In the Mirror is great. Skinhead Youth. Skinhead I don't. Youth, also a good song. I don't think. Yeah, I think growing up, the next step is the first stop. Like, eh. Judgment Day, eh, Fighting for Our Country, pretty good song. Yeah. Um, like, yo, this record goes nine deep before you even start thinking, like, eh, maybe skip. Um, yeah. Friend of the podcast, Andy, uh, says he will take Don't Forget the Struggle over Age of Coral. Wow. I, I mean, honestly, on this well, you, I'd be shocked yeah, if you I, didn't, Patrick. No, I would, but what I was going to say is uh, Don't Forget the Struggle might squeak in pretty high on my new york hardcore as of this listen i was like yo this is you know i would i would personally take it over any gorilla biscuits material so okay chew on chew on that tom where are you putting don't forget the struggle or age of coral i mean it's close but i i, I mean i'd have to go age of coral but just because <laughs> rabies didn't live for twitter <laughs> the, ooh, true um don't forget the struggle. It's close. It's very close. Don't forget the struggle or start today. I'd probably go start today. Really close. Um, shout out to Revelation who reissued this record in, in 2016. It is everywhere. You can stream this. You should stream this. You should know okay. this record. Let's get right down to it, guys. Don't forget the struggle. Don't forget the streets by Warzone or Vision in the Blink of an Eye. Tom. Gotta go Warzone. Patrick. Drew a, uh, yeah, Vision drew a, a tough a, a tough first tough, round matchup. Tough draw, I know. They did. Uh, I'm going the Warzone record. It's the Warzone record. And I love Vision. It's the Warzone record. This is interesting, un- New Jersey. Interesting. <sighs> Look, uh, 
if I was going to get a tattoo, I have one tattoo and it's an underdog tattoo. If I was going to get another tattoo, I wouldn't get another tattoo. Um, but if I was going to get another band tattoo, it would be uh, a vision tattoo. So mm. shout out. But this record's better. You're not going to get a Warzone Iron Cross? Come on, man. <laughs> but yeah, but I, U.S. I, I is bad. Problems. Answer those questions. U.S. is bad, my friend. I don't like. Um, yo, thank you, everybody. More 80s hardcore to come. Uh, stay tuned. Hey, what's up, Axe Grind? This is Turtle from Seattle. This Moss report is from May 14th. It's in regard to the show in L.A. It was uh, the Chisel doing a tour. I think they did six dates on the East Coast, six dates here on the West Coast. It was at the First Street Pool and Billiard in L.A. If I didn't mention that already. Uh, first band was... Uh, Castillo, that band is like gritty oi, and it was a really great live show. And the crowd was bonkers. And, um, Bobby Ecker turned me on to that band. It's pretty good. Like a lot, if you haven't checked them out, definitely check them out. Second band was Law of Power, and it's a L.A. hardcore band, super fucking heavy, and they share members with Section Hate. Super hard crowd. Uh, they just fucking lit up, and the pit was turned. Um, they have a three-song EP out on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Criminalized, and um, definitely fucking makes me feel brand new. Um, third band was Vis Virus. That's a Los Angeles oi band, and I think they have shared members from the Templars. Yeah, it was a bit of a chiller set, and definitely time for. Cold Brew and a Nosh. Um, they covered Victims by The Oppressed, which I thought was fucking sick. I bought their split with Ultrasect at um, Going Underground LA. It's like a little record store there in Little Tokyo. Uh, the fourth band was um, Prison Postumo, and it's a really great kind of street punk band and they only sing in Spanish which I thought was pretty cool I've never really heard of them before um, I saw them previously the night before uh, the other Chisel show that played in Long Beach the night before um, I didn't really I don't really understand a lot of Spanish but it was pretty cool to watch that and I actually looked into their record and stuff and um, I would say that they're Record or the recorded energy doesn't transfer to the live show, or maybe I'm just you know being basic and couldn't really groove to it. The uh, fifth band was Section Eight, fucking insane. Uh, my face got wrecked in like the first five seconds of the first song, and my fucking glasses exploded on the dance floor. I just started wearing glasses, so it was kind of a learning experience. Section 8, I mean, they crushed it. The fucking crowd went insane. And I don't know. These guys are fucking sick. What can I say? And it was like a their hometown show, so it was fucking dope as fuck. And finally, the chisel on their two-week uh, tour of the U.S. And I fucking love the chisel, boys. Um... The glammy oi sounds speaks to my soul. I miss them in Seattle, but I watched the LBC show and the show on Saturday. 
I um I'd have to say that this LA show took the cake for me out of those two shows and everybody was way into it. Lots of movement, lots of sing along. They played all the hits and um yeah, I, you know, I have a hard time like distinguishing between all the subgenres of the subgenres. I feel like some of that stuff can be kind of subjective, so um like I would say glammy oil, oh, glammy oil is what they are and I'm fucking here for it, and I love that shit. Anyway, I appreciate all uh, you guys do, and I appreciate all the episodes, and fucking rep your podcast fucking hard. Um, Lastly, I'd uh, like to give a shout-out, love and solidarity to all my indigenous relatives worldwide fighting colonialism. This world is a fucking meat grinder. All we have is each other. Flagstaff forever. Peace out. Yo, what's up? It's Gabe from Boston. I'm going to try to keep this brief. This is like my third or fourth attempt to record this because I keep on getting lost on tangents. Going to do a double pit report. Two shows I went to this week. Thursday, May 19th, Sons of Italy, Hingham, Massachusetts. One Step Closer, Pummel, Broken Vow, Surprise Set by Adrienne, Climb, and Ankle Biter. Doors at 6, I get off work at 6, so I unfortunately missed Ankle Biter because Hingham is located about a 45-minute train right outside of Boston, and I couldn't really uh, swing getting there in time, not without getting out of work early or some sort of time vortex. Ankle Biter is going to be cool, though, when you let, when you hear them finally. Their demo is done, but it's not out yet. Um, it's just think like Posse Numbers 2003 shit. If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. You'll just... You'll hear fast, hardcore with like good, bouncy two-step parts. You'll be with it. Don't worry about it. Uh, Climb. Climb was the first band I was able to catch. They are basically a Deftones worship band, which basically means that they are like new metal. And, you know, if you like that shit, you will probably like them. I didn't really care for their music, but I do think that they sound very good at what they do if that's your thing, because the guitar tone is on point. The bass, the bass, rhythm, bass and drums, rhythm section is definitely very, very tight. The vocals are very like drenched in reverb and sound cool for that style of music. It's just not really my thing. Cause I haven't really liked new metal since I was in high school. And even then I wasn't really much of a Deftones guy. I was more like a angsty, like Linkin Park and corn guy. I'm ashamed to admit, but it is what it is. Um, up next was Adrian. Adrian is a very late 90s influenced metalcore band. Uh, if you like bands like, say, your kind host Tom's band Indecision, or if you like weird European bands of the Hate Thousand scene, you will probably like Adrian. They played three songs because it was a surprise set, two songs off their demo, and they opened with a new song that I think might be the song they put it on the One Scene Unity comp this summer. And that song was awesome. The old songs were awesome. They're a great band. Shout out to them. Major, major way. Uh, Broken Vow. Broken Vow, my favorite piece of lore about Broken Vow is that they met in the parking lot 
at a magnitude show right before the pandemic really got underway. And they were like, oh, this is awesome. We should do a band. And they did. Because that's kind of what they sound like. They sound like magnitude. They sound like they pull from the same well of influences as magnitudes, but they do go a little bit harder with like the mosh parts, which I think is cool. They're also all like really young. I think it's sick that like college kids who are like, I think they started the band that were still in high school, but like, yeah, like young kids like in their teens are still making new bands because sometimes I worry that it's all going to be old fucks like me doing bands in the same like five kids doing bands but like these are all like new kids and uh, it's really fucking sick to see they sounded they sounded very tight very heavy and uh, their new split with the band set straight from uh, Canada I believe is where that band is from um, the two new songs that they have out on that split are really, really sick. They actually closed with one of them just because, like, the breakdown is so undeniable. Can't, can't really fuck with that. Up next were my hometown boys. Pummel, Pummel are my team, my homeboys. Uh, it's always sick to see them in Massachusetts because it doesn't matter how many people are at the show, which this show was, like, moderately well attended. I think that place holds 200, and there were maybe 100 kids there. So that's not too bad. Um, for a Thursday night in particular in the suburbs. But, like, yeah, no matter how many people are there, everybody just goes nuts for Pummel. They really have New England eating out of the palm of their hand, and I love to see it. I can't wait for them to drop another record and make people at the world at large of hardcore take notice. Pummel plays, like, his Boston band, but they play very, like, groovy New York hardcore in style. In style kind of music at, at times their new song has like some crown of thorn style music riffs going on in it which i think is cool because you know me i love crown of thorns um they have a new they played that new song and people just lost their minds because the breakdown in it was also very undeniable um great band great set of dudes wishing nothing but the best for them going forward uh last to close out the night was one step closer I bust their balls all the time about how they never played the song As the City Sleeps. They still did not play As the City Sleeps. They really should, because I think it's the best song they've written so far. Yes, that includes The Reach. But it was still a really great set. Had a nice flow to it. They play mostly new songs like they have been since the record came out. But went over pretty well. I like the way that uh, every time they play The Reach, people just immediately lose their minds right at the end. I also like that, that they, they, they did something that I've been wanting to do for a while, which is they basically opened with the opening track off the LP, I Feel So. And uh, that song is great, and I like the way, the way that it kind of kicks things off on the LP, and I also like the way it kicks things off live. They just played a little, like, intro, little, like, guitar intro, and then they went right into that song, and it was awesome. Had people moving right from the start. Um, so that was the show. And last night, I went to another show, which I think everybody in New England was at, because it was sold out at the Worcester Palladium, all 2,500 tickets, and it was the Turnstile Love Connection Tour, with Turnstile, Citizen, Ceremony, Akulu, and Truth Cult. So I get there right at, like, 6.30, which is right before Truth Cult is about to start at 7. Truth Cult, I described to them, and they agreed with me as... Fugazi that you're allowed to stage dive to, which is ironic because this show did have a barricade, 
But if you ever have the fortune of seeing Truth Cult without one, I recommend that you get on that stage and jump off it in as fun a way as you can think of. Um, very good, real, like, angular, post-hardcore, in the 90s sense, music. Uh, like I said, Fugazi, you're allowed to stage dive too. As in, I have good on good authority. Nobody in that band will put you in a headlock and escort you out if you try. Unless you, like, try to punch them or something, in which case all bets are off. But, you know, that's something else entirely. Akulu, Akulu proved by rocking that giant stage that they are every bit as much of, like, a real deal, like, heavy metal band as they are a hardcore band. Because people could not believe what they were seeing. Uh, I lost my phone on the dance floor for about 30 seconds, and thankfully, kind stranger picked it up off the floor and gave it back to me pretty much immediately. But that also was my cue to try to be in the quote-unquote parent section for the rest of the night because I was wearing gym shorts and gym shorts and pockets with the, those gym short pockets are not good for if you're, <laughs> if you're in a crazy-ass show like that. Uh, Akulu got a great reaction. People, a lot of people who had never moshed before were just like trying to run into the middle of the, of the floor and like do back. One kid literally did a standing backflip and sucked the landing and everybody clapped. It was awesome. Uh, people were just loving it. A lot of mosh, a lot of people trying to like crowd surf, which I thought was funny, but like at the same time, like that's what you do at these shows when there's a barricade. So fuck it, you know? Any positive reaction is a good reaction. Afterwards, ceremony played. I feel really bad because a friend of mine asked me if I knew who was up next, and I told him it was Citizen because I thought it was Citizen. And he was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go chill in the back because he doesn't really like Citizen. But Ceremony is one of his favorite bands. So <laughs> they they start setting up, and the next thing you know, they're playing, like, the drum intro to Sick to, like, signal that they're about to start their set. He hears it, and he starts running down the steps to get to the floor as quickly as humanly possible, just, like, barreling through people. And next thing I know, I see him from where I'm at up top on top of people in the front, just like trying to like run up on stage and not get caught by security, but still got caught by security, but you know, whatever. But like, shout out to him for real, because I fucked up and he remedied the situation as quickly as possible. Ceremony played a decent mix of the old and the new. Um, with a, I feel like the only thing I can say about ceremony that is, the, the only thing I can say about Ceremony is that I really think that they blend the different eras of their music very well in a live setting. So that works pretty well, the way that they play the like post-punk stuff and the hardcore stuff in the same breath. Um, it's not really a band that I've ever really had much of a connection with, but I respect what they do because they've always just kind of followed the, their, their vision, whatever you call it and just done whatever the fuck they wanted. And I always think that's a cool thing, even when that vision does not align with my personal sensibilities. So props to them. And people liked it. I will say that. People were feeling that I could see it from my little perch up on the rafters of the Palladium. <laughs> you know, people bouncing. Citizen was up next. Citizen is another band that I don't really connect with. I think it might be an age thing. Because I'm old enough to remember when The Killers were actually a popular, relevant band. And it just was not my thing then. It's not really my thing now. That being said, it's very well done. They have a couple of songs that I will like kind of hum to myself. I they're pretty catchy. But it's just not what I look for, unfortunately. But again, very tight and competent live act. Good energy. They have the crowd singing along, jumping up and down, all that good shit. Uh, 
Then Turnstile came on, and all right, the first thing I'm going to say is I think Turnstile might have curated the playlist for in between sets of the entire night because it was all like insanely good, like disco, funk, and soul music. At one point, right before they started playing, I heard I Feel For You by Chaka Khan directly into Never Too Much by Luther Vandross, and then later on they played Got To Be Real by Cheryl Lynn. Now, Never Too Much by Luther Vandross is legitimately one of my favorite songs ever, so I was literally like in the crowd like singing along to myself. But then when they were about to start playing, they cranked up the PA, and as their intro music, they played I Want to Dance with Somebody Who Loves Me by Whitney Houston at like top volume. People lost their shit. Not just because they knew Turnstop was about to start playing, but because this is a good-ass song. So next thing you know, I'm looking down from above from the Raptors, and I'm seeing, like, a mosh pit has, like, now formed where people are, like, dancing and pushing each other to fucking Whitney Houston. And somebody's trying to crowd surf up to the stage while the Whitney Houston song is playing, and everybody's just screaming at the top of their lungs, Oh, I want to dance with somebody. Like, it's crazy. And then the lights come on. And Turnstile is walking on stage, and they immediately kick into mystery, and the place explodes. Like, you just hear every single voice in that room just singing along and screaming and, like, losing their minds. They played a pretty decent selection off the new record, smattered in a couple of songs from the last 12 P's, threw in a little bit of canned heat for the old heads, and that was pretty much... The flow of the set. I kind of wish they'd played Gravity, but I guess they're trying to retire some of the older material right now. They did play Drop, though, which, like, that song is just such a banger. I was in the rafters, and I was literally, like, air drumming and trying to not, like, mosh on people in the bal- in the mezzanine or whatever, because that's just weird. But I was just, like, so moved by what I was seeing. They are legitimately one of the most electrifying bands I have ever seen in my life. And they were that way before they were this big. They just have something, they have like a rare quality that I can't fully describe. Uh, just the energy that they give off. Like the fact that they don't have people, a thousand people flying off the stage because of the barricade, but they still have this presence, this energy radiating from the stage in such capacity is truly something very special. And I think that that band is destined for even greater heights than what they've already accomplished. Uh, I think that they will be playing arenas and stadiums in the span of three to five years, if I'm being totally honest. So if you didn't go to this tour, you didn't get a ticket to this tour, this Turnstile tour, uh, kick yourself in the head because you are going to live to regret it. But in the meantime, I'm just very happy that I got to see them. Uh, all the new songs sounded incredible live. Um, the... Like I said, I, I love the way that their singer dances on stage now. He's just, like, dancing. He's not, like, trying to, like, look hard or anything. He's just, like, busting a move. I think it's sick. Like, I think that band is about fun, and it's about, like, positive vibes, and it's not about, like, looking tough or being any kind of, like, shithead anymore. So it's a it's a good energy, and it's bringing in a lot of new people. I think a lot of people who have never been to a hardcore show, this was their first experience to anything close to it. Uh, I actually heard from a couple of people I was talking to, my friend uh, Robin from the band Truth Cult, and he said that a couple of people had been walking up to him on this tour and at this show and saying, like, yo, this is my first show ever of any kind. So I think it's great that a lot of bands, for a lot of people, Truth Cult might have been the first band they ever saw play live music, period, which is great because that's a great band. 
that's a great band. Akulu is a great band. Ceremony and Citizen, while not really my thing, are bands that I will recognize are good at what they do and good at bringing people in and having them have a good time. So I think that's cool, too. And Turnstile, I mean, Turnstile are going to be the icons of this generation, in my opinion. And I think that that's pretty well bolstered by the reaction that they got last night. And that's pretty much it. Those are the two shows that I went to this week. Hope to go to some more in the coming weeks. Hope everybody has a nice, safe holiday weekend coming up, Memorial Day, by the time of this airs or whatever. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you all. Peace be with you. Have a good night. Friends, hello. Liam here from Cinepunks with another pit report for you. Check out Cinepunks.com uh, if you want to hear more of my dumb voice, but I don't know why you would. Hey, I'm here to talk about the Akulu Truth Cult Distort Sector Home Invasion and Payasa show at the Cobra Lounge in Chicago uh, that occurred on Monday, May 16th. That was two days ago. Yeah, this is uh, an off date for Akulu and Truth Cult. I'm sure you guys know they've been on tour with Turnstile. I actually went to the show because I couldn't go to the Turnstile show in Milwaukee that happened last week. I think that was Thursday night, uh, which I heard was great. Uh, I heard reports of people who were there. They said it was awesome. I love all the bands that were on that Turnstile tour. I couldn't make it, y'all. I was working a hard convention all weekend selling shirts, uh, uh, roughcutfanclub.com. And so I, you know, I couldn't. Couldn't do it. Had to miss the show. So this Monday night show became a priority for me because I had to see these two bands. I love the other bands that were on the tour, of course, Turnstile, Ceremony. Um, but, you know, I have never seen a Kulu or Truth Cult. These are two bands that I've liked. They're sort of like I, – I think of them as pandemic bands, right? Because I heard them around – just before or during the pandemic and then never got to see them. So this is kind of important to me to check them out. But the show started with local uh, heroes. I don't know. Certainly popular. Uh, Payasa. Chicago. I assume they're Chicago, but I've only seen them in Chicago and I've only seen Chicago people talk about them. So I assume they're from Chicago. Uh, maybe they're not, though. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe not. But I've seen them in Chicago a lot. Um, yeah, uh, how to describe Payasa. You know, this is one of those things when you're seeing a band, you think, like, how am I going to talk about this later? Well, I guess you do if you submit pit reports like a psychopath like I do. And um, I'm just not sure how to describe this band. Uh, mostly, I would say they're a metalcore band, but that feels a bit reductive. I think they have heavier parts that feel a little bit more like slam almost like death metal-y. They have some faster points that might remind you of older hardcore, but I I think at times they even have punk beats, like kind of D-beat or maybe even more of like a marching beat. Uh, They have references to uh, classic hardcore. Uh, I'm making them sound like virtuosos. Uh, It's not that I think they're like revolutionizing things, but I will say that they're an interesting band. They're a band that I've seen them twice or twice or three times. I think I've seen them three times now. And every time I'm surprised by them, um, even though I've, I've listened to the records, their songwriting is different. And I don't think that will appeal to everyone, but I do think they're a band that y'all should check out. P-A-Y-A-S-A, Payasa. Um, it's, it's not quite my style because when they get heavy, sometimes they get heavy in a way that's like not – 
something that appeals to me a lot. But I love how political they are. I love that they uh, incorporate Spanish into the lyrics. I love the the willingness of of their uh, vocalist to to speak on all kinds of issues from immigration to uh, abortion to whatever. Yeah, I think they're I think they're an interesting band. I think they should uh, expand outside this area. I don't know how well known they are outside of. Like I said, I've seen them in Chicago or the Midwest, I guess I'll say. Up next was Home Invasion. Uh, This is a band that I've heard about online, and I had heard a couple songs on Bandcamp, but I hadn't spent a lot of time with their music. Uh, Turns out I actually uh, follow the singer on Instagram, didn't even realize that, or I should say vocalist. You know, they're they're an older-style hardcore band. I mean, probably all I have to say is they opened with a No Justice cover, but I will say that a lot of their tunes uh, have influences more along the lines of fast hardcore or maybe more 80s stuff than no justice but there's definitely some of that influence in there too you know um yeah it's it's angry uh they they're a little older they're not like young kids or anything but um they're younger than me yeah i don't know i i liked it a lot i this is the sort of band that um I had heard a couple songs, like I said, on Bandcamp. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, But live, I liked it a lot more. Um, The vocalist felt like he was a little off. He was a little tired. uh, But that didn't come across to me. I thought they were solid. They had an interesting stage presence. I personally think uh, with music that is this angry and bitter and fast – they could have moved around a little more than they did, but that was not to say that they didn't move around. Um, it's just, you know, it wasn't – though there was a No Justice cover, you know, it wasn't like – no one threw a fucking drum set into the crowd or anything like that. So uh, – but still, they're really good. I, I recommend people check them out. Um, if you haven't heard of them, I don't know how much uh, they are sort of known outside the area, but I thought they were really good. Up next is uh, Sector from Chicago. This is a band I've seen before and thought was pretty good. I got to apologize. I missed most of the set. Uh, I was I ro- rolled to the show solo, but eventually some people I knew showed up, and I, I was catching up with them, and I, I didn't realize I was missing Sector. So big apologies. I think that band is pretty good. It's it's a little heavier and moshier than, than uh, a lot of stuff I listen to, but they're very tight. Um, and I don't know, again, I'm a little ignorant about what's going on in the rest of the country. I don't know if that's a band that's getting out to the rest of the country, but if you are someone who likes stuff on a little more of the uh, metallic but in a moshy sort of tough sense, um, you should check out Sector. I think they're very, very interesting band. And like I said, I, I missed this set, but I've seen them before. I thought they were solid. Uh, up next is uh, was Distort. For those of you who don't know, D I Z T O R T, um, they were actually they actually played in Chicago over the weekend. I think it was Friday night while I was at the horror con, so I, I had missed their set. Uh, that whole show I missed, and then they played this. So I don't know how they got added. I will say this: the set was a little weird because the vocalist, I guess, was losing his voice. So one of the other pre- people in the band sang for a little bit, but then eventually he came on and did it anyway. Uh, but that band's good. If you like, if you've heard that band and you like that style, I, I thought they were. Uh, it's very solid. If you haven't heard them, how do I describe it? It's sort of like a NYHC thing, but um, rather than like an older, like, uh, uh, yeah, there's sort of like a NYHC vibe, although unlike uh, something faster like a breakdown, they definitely have some uh, metallic leads while still having something that's a little more um, – I don't want to say basic, but a little more roots, let's say. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like them. I think they're cool. They had a good vibe. It was fun, even though the the singer uh, didn't do part of the set. Also, after Distort, it was Truth Cult. 
Truth Cult was sort of an interesting fit. Like they're they're the ones who are on tour with Akulu, um, and uh, sonically they were different than anything else on the show. But that just made them more interesting to me. I, I already enjoy that band. I've seen live footage, uh, but seeing them in person, it was just man. I don't know. I think that's an incredible band. Uh, if you haven't heard Truth Cult, um, they mix a lot of different. There's some DC in there. There's some post-hardcore in there. But the vocalist still has a very sort of like hardcore vibe. Um, there's still some 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 real uh, 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 aggressive elements to it. But there's also some rockin' melodic parts. It's, it's, it's a little tough for me to describe. I'd say sometimes that they're borrowing from things um, that I uh, maybe don't know. Uh, they had a really uh, good um, replacements cover, uh, which I thought rocked. Uh, yeah, that's just a dynamic, interesting, engaging band that I think more people should check out uh, if you haven't heard Truth Cult, uh, especially if you like your hardcore or uh, hardcore punk to be maybe a little more angular, um, uh, a little challenging at times. Uh, yeah, just an interesting band. And then uh, finally was uh, New York's own Akulu. I'm sure everybody has heard Akulu at this point. They're big up on this podcast a ton. If you haven't heard Akulu, they're sort of a modern take on crossover. That's that, Even that feels a little basic, but there's definitely some like thrashy elements, some big guitar parts, but still very heavy, very relatable, very moshable. The pit was crazy. At one point, I tried to get my old dumb ass out there in the pit, and I got knocked into the stage and bruised my booty straight up have a bruise on my butt cheek. So, you know, that is what it is. Uh, yeah, they were great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you want to get a crowd on your side, have a sound guy try to shut down a show early. I don't think it was any animosity. I just think for whatever reason, the sound guy felt like the show had to end. They couldn't play one more song. But like, you know, their songs are not that long and there was a good five minutes till the show had to be over. So like if the song is three minutes and we have five minutes and they've already started playing the song, just let them play the song. But, you know, they cut the mic and they kept playing. And oh, man, I don't know. I don't know how many people listen to this are from Philly. But uh, if you're older and you're from Philly, remember that time that Vision was at the truck and they cut the whole ass power at the truck so you couldn't even hear the guitars or anything. But the drums kept going and everyone just kept singing the song anyway. That was the first time I ever head walked. I think I was 20, 19, maybe 18. Anyways, it was, that, that was a memory that came back to me as Akulu played, you know, probably their most well-known song with no microphone. And it didn't matter because people sung along and we all knew the words and, you know, whatever. It was sick. It was sick. Awesome. Big ups to Akulu. Big ups to all the bands that played, especially um, that Home Invasion band. You know, I hadn't really checked them out before and I was really surprised uh, by them. Um, but also, Distort was great. And Truth Cult, I really think for me, they're one of the more exciting bands in hardcore right now. Okulu is a little bit more my style. It's like right up my, that's like a fastball for me. Truth Cult is maybe a little outside of that. But man, they, their live performance took what was already uh, something that I was very interested in and made it super exciting. So anyways, that's that's my uh, pit report. <laughs> 